for graduates. And I thought about even having all the graduates sit in chairs right up here on the front or even come up here on the very, you know, sit and just preach to the graduates. But the truth of the matter is what I'm talking about today are values and wisdom. And it is a message uniquely uh, centered around graduates and us thinking about our values. But when you talk about values and you talk about what matters most, you got that outline there in front of you, look at that sermon title. What we're going to talk about today is what matters most, being able to recognize what matters most and what really doesn't matter at all. And by the way, hopefully you've got a pen there. You can take some notes as we study God's Word together. This is really a skill. And so I want to talk to you today about the skill of being able to recognize what matters most and what really doesn't matter at all. Can I tell you real quickly, there's a lot of folks who don't have this skill they don't know how to recognize what matters most and what's really important. When a situation comes up in their life, watch this, when a situation comes up in life, they don't know how to distinguish from what, what's important, what's not, what's crucial, what's not so crucial. What, what, what is vital that I do this moment right now or do, do, go left or go right, and it's not vital. And the inability to distinguish in those moments what really is important is can lead you down a road that you don't want to go down. So I hope specifically those who are graduates or those who are juniors in high school or maybe juniors in college or maybe those who are, are just um, young in life, I hope, this, I hope you will especially listen to this message today as we study God's Word and we talk about what really matters, how to distinguish between those two. If you're seeking to be wise, I want to talk to you today from God's Word about how to be truly wise and set your values on the things that matter the most. Now, have you noticed this? We don't have time to do everything. Have you noticed that in your life? That you've got to be selective about what you do and you can't do all things? I mean, you're not even, you're not even wired or gifted to do everything in the world. Now, here's the good news. God doesn't expect you to do everything, okay? God has a certain call on your life. God's given you certain gifts, and there are certain works that God's got for you to do. And so it's very important for you to figure out what really is important, how God wired you, how God called you, and how God wants to use you and move you towards the place where He wants you to serve. Now, notice that opening line there on my outline for you today. It says this, my values affect my stress, my success, and my salvation. My values, what matters to me most. As a matter of fact, I might even take out that word affect, and maybe you'd write right underneath it the word determine. My values will determine my stress, what stresses me out or doesn't stress me out. My values will determine my success. My values will determine even my salvation. What I value has that much impact on my life. So today, here's the question I want to do with you. I just want us to evaluate our values and say and ask ourselves, are we really believing and valuing the right things in our lives? Are we really running after what matters most? So you notice I'm going to ask you four questions, or I'm going to get you to actually ask yourself four questions that are about your values and about your destiny. And I want you to think through the lens of four macro, very, very important questions. You got your pen? Write down the first one. Here's the first one. Big question I want you to ask your soul today. And it's simply this. Who's going to be my authority? Who is going to be my authority? Simply this. Where am I going to get my values? 
Who's going to tell me what's important in life? How am I going to figure out what really matters, what really doesn't matter? Who is my authority? Now, think about for a minute your values. Think about what you think matters a lot and ask yourself the question, where did I get my values from? You know, some of us, we got some of our values from our parents, right? Your parents believed a certain way. Your parents said this is important, and you kind of adopted that into your worldview. Some of us adopted the values of our peers, our friends. So our friends thought this was important. We kind of started bringing it into us. It became important to us. Our friends had values, and so we adopted their values. You know, sometimes you get your values from books and magazines that you read. Sometimes you get your values from the music you listen to. Sometimes you can pull values in what's important in your life, even from the things you watch, like on TV or on movies. Did you know that the number one effector, the number one catalyst for values in today's teenagers and in today's 20-somethings is the media? The, listen, the, that's scary, isn't it? The number one value shifter setter for our youngest people in our country is the media. See, when you say the media, what you mean? Music, movies, TV, social media, all that stuff has a huge effect upon the values of our young people and of our lives. So here's the question one more time. Who is going to be my authority? Who am I going to let set my values in place? And when it all comes down to it, you got three options. I want to walk you through all three real quickly. All right, first of all, write that one down. Myself. That's your first one. You You can be your own authority, okay? You can say... I'm going to go with my gut, all right? I'm going to go with what I feel like. When there's a decision to be made, I'm going to be the determining factor on what I value, on what matters the most to me. Now, here's the problem with that. A lot of people do that, but the Bible warns against it. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the human mind is the most deceitful. You got your opinion, you might want to circle that word. The human mind is the most deceitful of all things. By the way, in my little notes, I I drew a little line from that word deceitful, and I just drew it kind of underneath it, and I gave myself the definition. I went to Webster's, and I looked up the definition of deceitful. Do you know what it simply is? Deceitful is simply this. It's misleading, all right? That's the definition of deceitful. It's leading the wrong direction. And the Bible says the human mind is the most misleading of all things. Now, it keeps on saying it is incurable. No one can understand how deceitful it really is. You know, the writer, as God spoke this to the prophet Jeremiah, what God was trying to help the prophet understand and then speak to the people was, our mind is an awesome thing, but our mind can trick us. Have you ever been tricked by your mind before? You ever had your mind tell you something and, you, and it was wrong, and you, but you, just, you were trying to figure it For example, has anybody else, you ever lost your keys? Anybody, raise your hand if you ever lost your keys, all right? Now, when you lose your keys, don't you start seeing your keys all kind of places? Where did I last see my keys? And all of a sudden, you can see them on your bathroom sink. You can see them on the counter right next to you, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, you can see them sitting down in the seat right next to your car in the cup holder. All of a sudden, you start seeing your keys everywhere, trying to envision where you left your keys. The truth is, your mind is playing tricks on you as you're trying to recall where you lost your keys. I mean, you can do that with simple, I lost my hat. Where do I find my hat? You start seeing your hat in all different kinds of places. If you haven't figured this one out, here's how deceitful the mind is. Two people, three people, four people can stand on a street corner and watch a car wreck, car crash happen. And each one of those four people, lawyers have figured this out, 
can tell a different story of the car crash they just saw. Now, in their mind, they saw it a certain way. But you can put four people on a stand in a, in a court proceeding, and each one of those four people will tell you different things. Why? Because their mind, what they heard, it was real to them, but their mind can be so deceiving, can be so misleading. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's the truth of the matter is, who's my authority? If I'm going to be my authority, then guess what? I can be wrong. I can set my own authority and my own values in the wrong places because the Bible tells me that my mind is a very deceitful thing and it can lead me all the wrong direction. So you better be careful if you're going to be your own authority. But that's your choice number one, okay? Option number one. Here's option number two. Write this one down. The world. You can let the world set your values for you, okay? You can let the world be your authority. And and here's kind of how this works. You look around and you see what everybody else values, okay? These people over here, they value getting rich. They, they want money, right? These people over here, they value that. They value that. You look at all these people who are valuing different things, and you say to yourself, well, if it's important to them, maybe it should be important to me. And you adopt their values because they look like you or you want to be like them, and you start adopting their values just because they are living, thinking, operating a certain way. Now watch what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, don't love what the world offers and values. You might want to underline that because it's kind of a command, okay? Don't love what the world offers and what it values. Those who love the world don't have the Father's love in them. For what the world values, here we go, it tells you what the world values, physical gratification, greed, and prideful, self-centered lifestyles. Three things. I'll say it one more time. The world values physical gratification, greed, and prideful, self-centered lifestyles does not come from God our Father. Real quickly, three values of the world that the Scripture outlines right there. I'll get you to write them down real quickly. We'll put all three up there. Write them down real quickly. Looking good, feeling good, having the goods. Write that down. That's real quickly. That's the three world values that are right there in the Scriptures. The world wants you to value looking good, feeling good, and having the goods. Can I break those down for you real quickly? Looking good, what is that? Appearance. Appearance. Have you ever thought about how much the world values appearance? I mean, think about how much money is spent on on beauty products, on surgeries, on clothes to make people look good. The world values looking good huge, right? It's a big value in our world, big business in our world. Second thing, Looking good, then feeling good. Now, what is feeling good, Stephen? Feeling good, you you might want to label this pleasure, sexuality. I mean, it's everywhere. By the way, sex sells everywhere, all over the TV, all over. I was watching a commercial this week, and they were selling shampoo, all right? And And the girls selling the shampoo... I don't know that I've ever shampooed like she was. I mean, it was like, my gosh. Seriously, why? Because sex sells, right? Looking good and feeling good. Pleasure. The world values pleasure. Now, look at the next one. Having the goods. And out to your margin, you might want to write write this. Materialism, all right? Materialism. Having the stuff. Making the money. Getting the toys. That's, what one of the, that's one of the things the world values. You need to acquire, 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 get more stuff, get more stuff, get more stuff. Now, watch this, guys. Those three things right there. Our culture 
is so inundated with these three global world values that Christians like you and me, we get bombarded with it, all right? You need to look good. You need to feel good. You need to have the goods. Look good. Feel good. And you get bombarded so much with these values, here's the problem, that Christ's followers start having those values. And you are meant for so much more than looking good, feeling good, and having some goods, right? But if you get your values from the world, that's where you'll end up, okay? And you're going to get bombarded with it over and over again, and it's easy to start adopting those. By the way, here, here is... Here is the, here's the third option. You can get your authority from yourself. You can get your authority from the world. Or how about this one? You can get your authority from God's Word. Write that one down. Get your authority from God's Word. Who's going to set my values, Stephen? I've decided that it's going to be God's Word. I'm going to set my values around God's Word. Not around what I think. Not around what my friends think or the world says. I'm going to set my values around God's Word. The Bible says this in, in John 8. Jesus said it, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you or set you free. See, God's word is an objective source. It's not, it's, by the way, it's also timeless. It's not just in this culture, not, not in the culture a thousand years ago or in a thousand years to come. God's word is timeless and it's objective. And so the best place for me to get truth is right here in God's word, not from myself, not from the world. Get truth from God's Word. Real quickly, I thought I'd give you God's answer to those, to those three world values, okay? I got right there. What does God say about the world values? Remember, looking good, feeling good, having the goods? A couple of scriptures here real quickly. God speaks to the world's values. Look at this in, in 1 Samuel 16. This is the appearance thing, right? Looking good. The Lord doesn't look at the, thing man, the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, looking good. But the Lord looks at the heart. The Bible says right out of the gate that God doesn't care what your appearance looks like, but there are so many people worried about their appearance. The Bible says clearly God doesn't care about appearance, right? God cares about your heart. Look at that next one. Now, feeling good, right? The, the, and the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, 25, the pleasures of sin only last for a short time. So if you, if you build your value set around what feels good, the Bible says that stuff's only going to last for a little while. I'll, 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 I like to say it this way, all right? You can, you can build your values around what gives you kicks, but then you need to understand that there's going to be some kickbacks coming, okay? That it's only going to be a short while that you're going to get pleasure, all right? And there's going to be some kickbacks that are on the way. Look at that third one, having the goods. The Bible says this in Luke 12, 15, real life is not measured by how much we own. Real life is not measured by how much we own. You might want to write in your margin right there a simple phrase, and that's this. The greatest things in life aren't things. The greatest things in life are not things. But the world wants to tell you that acquiring and getting stuff matters, okay? Having the goods matters, getting more materialism. Listen, the Bible clearly says real life is not measured by how much we own. So the first thing, the first question I want to ask you today is simply this. Who's going to be your authority? Who's going to set your values? Are you going to do it? Are you going to let the world do it? Are you going to let God's word set what your values are? That's the starting place. I want you to ask yourself a tough, tough question. Who 
is going to be your authority? Who's going to set the values in your life? Second question, write this one down. Second question, what's going to last the longest? I mean, if you're going to be investing your life towards something, you might ought to ask the question, what is going to have the longest return? What's going to last the longest? If I'm going to invest my life in something, I'm going to invest my life in something that is going to last and last and last. Now, real quick point. Matter of fact, I'm going to come down the main floor because I, I, I want you to really get this, okay? Real quick point. You can be living your life, just living your life, going through day after day after day, and the truth of the matter is, nobody normally stops and asks themselves tough questions like, what are my values, and who's setting my values, and what are, who's my authority? You don't do that. When you're living your life, and you're just journeying through life, you're just going through life, all right? You're living. You don't ask yourself tough questions until, until when you're living your life, all of a sudden, you hit pain. When you hit pain, when you hit trauma, when you hit heartache, you stop. Now, that's when you ask yourselves tough questions. When you hit pain, let's just say you're just living your life, you're living your life, you're going through, you're not thinking about what, you know, values and all that, and all of a sudden, boom, pink slip. I lost my job. I don't have a job. You start asking yourself questions. You ask yourself a question like this. Did that job matter anyway? Man, with all my security in my job, what am I going to do with my life? What do I really want my job to be? You start asking, you see how you ask tough questions when pain comes? You're living your life, you're living your life, you're living your life. I don't love you anymore and I want a divorce. Pain. When you hit pain, that's when you ask questions. And you think to yourself, what have I been investing in? What, what, what have I been doing wrong? Where am I going? When you hit the dead end, when you hit the dead end street, then you start to ask yourself, man, have I been living for the wrong things? Have I, have I put my ladder against the wrong wall? Have I been doing the wrong things with, with the people? What have I been doing with my life? And that's when you start asking yourself, what am I investing my life in? And is my life really going to count? Are you tracking with me? Nod your head if you are, right? Are you tracking with me? So when pain comes your way, one of the greatest questions you can ask yourself is, am I investing in my life in what matters the longest, so what's going to last the longest? Am I really investing my life the right way? Read this scripture with me. Uh, the scripture uh, says this. The world and its desires, the world and its values, the world and what it thinks is important will pass away. But those who do the will of God will live. Would you say this word? I like this word. It's a big word. It's like a big word. Say this word out loud, full voice, forever. Those who do the will of God will live forever. Now, by the way, I don't know anything that's kind of longer than forever, okay? So when you're thinking about what's going to last the longest, you need to be able to think about what's going to really, really, really matter. Because when you hit the pain, one of the things you're going to ask yourself is simply this. Have I been seeing life the right way? Have I been doing life the way I really want to do life? If, I, if I'm going to be moving forward from here, what's my next step? And what do I really want to invest my life towards? What is the thing that matters the most and it's going to matter the longest? That's what you begin to ask yourself, all right? Look at this next scripture. It says this. We focus, Paul's running these words, by the way. We focus our attention not on what we can see around us, but on what we cannot see with our eyes. Paul is saying, listen, you look around you and everything you see is very temporary. What you see with your eyes, temporary. 
Paul is saying, you know what we do? We don't look at that stuff anymore. We look beyond that stuff, and we want to see the stuff that's invisible. And notice what he says. We look, we focus, we, we look after what we cannot see with our eyes. For everything that we see is temporary and will only last a short time. But what is unseen is eternal and will last forever. So here's the question. What matters most and what doesn't matter at all? That's the title of the sermon, right? What matters most, what doesn't matter at all? And the thing that will always matter most is the thing that lasts the longest. And not the stuff that's the temporary stuff, right? That doesn't matter nearly as much as the stuff that lasts forever. Can I just tell you some really good news today that I believe you came to church to hear? When you breathe your last breath on this planet, there is stuff that we're going to be able to do in the kingdom of God in heaven for millions. No. Trillions. No. Make up a word. Gazillions of years with God and with God's people in heaven. So here's the cool thing. God has a long-range plan. And what he wants us to do is tap into not the temporary stuff all around us, but God's long-range plan. What is going to last the longest? Real quickly, I'm talking to graduates, but really I'm talking to anybody who wants wisdom, right? A couple of first questions. Who's going to be my authority? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be the world? Or am I going to let God set it? Second question. What's going to last the longest? Am I investing my life for temporary junk? Or am I really investing my life towards what's really going to be beyond what I can see in this life right here, all right? What lasts the longest? All right, little hint real quickly before we move on to the third question. People will last longer than things every time. Third question, write this down. Third question, will I choose what's easy or will I choose what's best? Will I choose what's easy or will I choose what is best? Now this is, will I live out what I claim I believe? One of my mentors says it this way. Um, will, you, will I choose the lesser to gain the greater? Whenever you're tempted, you're, you're at this place every time. Will I choose what's easy or am I going to choose the best thing, right? And what we're talking about here is am I going to really be able to live out what I say I believe? Did you know George Gallup did a poll of Americans and he found that the number one stress effector for Americans was what he called incongruent values. I say I value this, but when I live my life, I end up valuing that. Incongruent values, all right? incongruent lifestyles. I want my lifestyle to look like this, but then I live my life and it looks like this. I want to value saving money and, I, and, then, and investing money and giving and being generous. And then guess what? I find myself in debt over here and I'm doing all the wrong things. Did you know that incongruent values, incongruent, not aligned lifestyles are the number one stressor in America? People want to live a certain way. They want, they, they want to live how they believe, but they end up living differently than they believe. Now, here's what, I'll, here's what I want to help you understand. Here's the question. Will I choose what's easy or will I choose what's best? Can I just give you a little real quick hint? Living according to the Bible is not easy, okay? If it's easy, everybody would do it, right? I mean, it's good truth. It's easy, right? I mean, I mean not easy, but it's it's, good, it's, it's easily understood that this is the truth, right? I would, everybody would do it if it was easy. 
Let me say it a little differently. Living for Jesus is not easy in a culture that is exactly the opposite of what he says and he values, right? Will I choose what's easy or will I choose what's best? You know what I figured out? I figured out when I became a Christian that some things had to change in me if I was really going to live God's way. And I want to mention four of those things that sometimes you just got to evaluate and say, I may need to change some of these things, all right? With your pen, write down one of the things I want you to evaluate. And it's simply this. Will I choose what's easier or best? Have you thought about what you're watching with your eyes, what you're reading with your eyes, what you're seeing with your eyes? You might have to evaluate. You might even have to change what you're reading and what you're seeing and what you're watching. And it might, this might be starting with, I'm going to change what I watch, what I let come in to my, my life. Now, if you haven't figured this out already, right? Garbage in, garbage out, old computer lingo term, right? Garbage in, junk out. That, that happens in our lives. If you, let, if you let stuff come into you, it affects your heart. It affects your soul. And so one of the things you not, might need to be able to think about is, you know what? I can do what everybody else does. I can do the easy thing. And I can watch what everybody else does. I can, I can spend more time on Netflix and, than I do my own Bible study. And I can let all that junk come in and it will affect me. And I need, to, I need to come to grips with that. I can do what's easy or I can choose to do what's best. And so what you have to be able to ask yourself is, what are you filling your mind with? And you might need to think about changing what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're letting come into your mind. Real quickly, those of you who are older than 65, raise your hand for me real quickly. Raise your hand. Bold, proud, strong, high, right? Older than 65. Keep it up, Bill. William, keep it up there. All right. Did you know that those of you who are 65 years of age, statistics say that you've already spent nine and a half years watching TV? Did you know that? Is that scary or what? At 65 years of age, you've already spent nine and a half years watching the boob tube, all right? Now, here's the question. What are you allowing in? Are you spending time on the junk and letting that come in and affect you? The Bible says this, simply this. Psalm 119.37, turn my eyes away from worthless things. It's really a prayer that the psalmist is praying. Turn my eyes away from worthless, worthless things. If you're going to choose to live the best way, not the easiest way, one of the first things you might want to analyze is what am I letting come into my world? What am I reading? What am I watching? What am I letting come into my mind? Second thing you might want to evaluate you have to begin to evaluate um, your friendships, right? Am I hanging out with people who are making me better, who are lifting me up? Or am I hanging out with people who are actually bringing me down and causing you know, poison and toxins to my soul? You have to sometimes think about changing some of your friends. And the Bible says, Exodus 23, 2, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. I like to say it this way. You can't soar with the eagles and think you can run with the turkeys at the same time. It ain't going to happen, right? It ain't going to happen. You know, soar with the eagles, you might have to think about changing some of your friends. Here's another one. Change what, you might want to think about what you're watching and what you're reading. You might want to think about your friendships. How about this one? You might want to think about what you're spending money on. Changing how I spend my money. A couple of questions around this real quickly. Are you generous with your money? Or are you more selfish with your money? You might just want to write that in the margin and just deal. That's a tough question, all right? Most of us don't want to face that question, all right? Am I more generous with my money or am I more selfish with my money? Here's a second question you might want to write. Maybe it's a little easier question, okay? Maybe you want to write this one down. When an opportunity comes my way to be generous, do I readily take it? Do I readily take the opportunities that come my way 
to be generous. Because that tells you whether you're going to do the easy thing or the best thing, right? Because you can say all day long, I want to be a generous person, but it's easy to be a selfish person. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, Matthew 6, don't store, up your, don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away and may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value. We're talking about what you read. You're going to do the easy thing or the best thing? We're talking about your friendships. You might need to change some of them. Are you going to do the easy thing or the best thing? We're talking about how you spend your money. Are you going to do the easy thing or the best thing? Last thing, write this one down. We're talking about how you treat people. You might have to evaluate how you treat people. Are you going to do the easy thing or are you going to do the best thing? And if you don't write anything else down today, this is the most important thing that you may write down, okay? The Bible tells us that we're supposed to use things and love people. The Bible tells us we're supposed to use things and love people. Now, when we get that swapped around and we do exactly the opposite, we are messing up. When we use people and love things, we're doing exactly the opposite way. And that, did you know there's a lot of people living every day of their life by using people and loving things? They don't understand what the Bible's taught us. The Bible says how you treat people matters. Are you really loving people and using things? This is what we have to evaluate because it's easy. Listen, are you doing the best thing or the easiest thing? It is very easy to find yourself using people and loving things. The best thing, the Bible says, is to love people, use things. This, this says this way, Second uh, Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Treat people as if they do last for eternity and love them that way. You know, somebody were just stop right here in the message and say, Stephen, wow, this is so hard what you have tasked me with. Did you know I used to, I used to be a youth pastor before I was a, you know, uh, uh, old people pastor. And um, when I was a youth pastor, I remember talking to kids about asking these kind of questions like, what are you allowing into your mind? What are you watching? And I would ask them about their friendships. And you may, you may not need to be friends with those people if they're toxic to your soul. We started talking about those things. They would look at me. Those, those teenagers would look at me and they'd go, you don't know how hard that is, Pastor Stephen. I can't do that. And you know what I'd say to them? I'd say, yes, I do. I do know how hard it is, but here's what I do know. You're right. You can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. You need the strength of God in your life to really be able to bring lasting change around this kind of value. Are you going to do the easy thing? Are you going to do the best thing? And I would always remind them of this scripture right there in your outline, Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do everything. Stephen, it's so hard. No, no, no. I can do everything God asks me to with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and the power. Now, if God's calling you to change what you're watching, if God's calling you to change your friendships, if God's calling you to change how you're spending your money, I'm not going to do the easy thing anymore. I'm going to do the best thing. If God's calling you to to change how you're treating people, you can do it, but you've got to have the power of Jesus to be able to help you do it. I'm going to say it again. It's not easy to live for Christ. If it was, everybody would do it. It's not easy to say, I'm going to value what God's Word says when the rest of the world is doing exactly the opposite. This week, I'm preaching to graduates, but really, I'm preaching to anybody who wants to be wise. And can I tell you that all week long, I thought about my son, Andrew, who is on an Emory campus, 
that I studied at. And I know how hard it is to live your faith. And, and, and by the way, that was probably, well, it was. It was 20 years ago. It is so much harder for him to really live out God's values on that campus than it was me when I did it. It is so, it's not easy. I know it's a, I know it's a challenge for him to try to walk and talk like Jesus on a campus that wants to believe exactly the opposite, that values all the opposite stuff. It is very hard. But with the power of Christ, he can do it and you can do it too. Last question. Write this one down. I said four questions, right? Last question. And the last question is simply this. Um, Is it worth it? Is it worth the price? Is what worth the price, Stephen? Well, here's here's simply the answer to that question. Is it worth the price to say, you know what? I'm not going to be my own authority. I'm not going to let the world. I'm going to let God's word set my authority. And you know what? Not only that, I'm going to start living for not the temporary stuff that everybody lives for, this little stuff that's going to be gone one day. I'm going to start living for what's permanent, what lasts forever. I'm going to to live for what I cannot see, and I'm going to invest in the kingdom to come. And not only that, I'm, I'm going to start living for the best way to live, according to the Bible, not the easy way. And that, that's going to affect how I spend my money. It's going to affect what I do with my time, how I, how I watch things, let things and read things, let them come into my body. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to, is it worth, here's the fourth question, is it worth the price? Is it worth the price to really try to live a life that matters beyond, you know, this little life? Is it really worth the price? Can I read to you real quickly from Matthew 16? What profit is there to get, if you gain the whole world and you lose eternal life? What can be compared with the value of eternal life? Get your opinion, you might want to circle that word compared. In my notes, I wrote a couple other words. What, what can be compared? What can you trade with for eternal life? And here's just a real quick clue to every graduate. Colton, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm going to talk to you because you're about to be gone from mom and daddy and you're going to be basically in Canada. All right, Michigan. And... Um, I want to tell you something. I hope you'll never forget this. Everything that you're going to do in this world has a price tag to it. Everything. So if you choose to do this, and you're investing your time and your energy and your resources around this, by saying yes to this, you are automatically going to be saying no to something else. You can't do everything, okay? And here's what the Bible is saying with that scripture. Can we put that scripture back up there again? The Bible says when it all comes down to it, what are you going to compare with eternal life? What are you going to trade with eternal life? What are you going to value with eternal life? When you hold eternal life and what's and the happening in the, in the kingdom that is to come, can you put the stuff that is in this life with it? No. It's always going to be bigger. It's always going to be more important. And the question is, is it worth the price? Is it worth the price to live, really live God's way, to live and be Jesus' man on a campus that's probably very liberal and going exactly the opposite way according to God's plan? And you have to answer that question for yourself. Is me choosing to live like this, is it worth the price and will it pay off in eternity? That's the question. The Bible says this. I love Paul's thoughts. I'm going to close with this. Philippians 3. Paul writes these words. I once thought all these things were so very important. He's talking about temporal, temporary stuff, worldly stuff. He said, I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage 
so that I may have Him. So that I may have Him. By the way, if you have your pen, you might want to underline those first few words. I once thought all these things were so very important. Can I just tell you real quickly a truth? Here's the truth. You cannot follow Jesus Christ and not make some value changes in your world. I don't care if you're 14, 24, 44, 64. If you, if you answer the question today, is it worth the price? Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. If that's the answer to the question, can I just tell you a little clue? You cannot follow Jesus and not shift your value set. You have to do it. You have to say, you know what? Like Paul, I, I one time thought all this stuff was important. Appearance, pleasure, you know, having the goods and feeling good and looking. Oh, I once thought all that stuff was important. Paul said, you know what? I bankrupted that idea. I've shifted my value set. And when I did that, you know what? I looked at that stuff like it was all garbage. He said, you know what? From here on out, I follow after Jesus. There's a value shift. You cannot say, I want to follow Jesus and not have a value shift. By the way, in Christian kind of theological circles, we have a word for that. You might want to write it down on the mar- in the margins of your notes somewhere. Here's the word. The word is simply this. Repentance. Repentance. Now, you know what? That word has gotten kind of a bad nomenclature. It's kind of got a bad R, repentance. Oh, I don't want to have to repent. That's, that means something's wrong with me. Can I tell you the Greek word that comes from that word repentance? When Paul said, I changed my mind. I once thought those things were important. I changed my mind. He said, I shift my values. Do you know what the Greek word is? It's metanoia. Metanoia. And it's simply this. The Greek word means change my mind. I changed my mind. I'm no longer going to be my value set. I'm not going to let the world be my value set. I've changed my mind. I'm going to set my values from God's Word. I'm changing my mind today. That's repentance. Repentance is simply this. I'm going to change my mind. I've been investing in stuff that really doesn't last very long. I have got, I'm going to start investing towards something that's going to last forever. I've changed my mind. I'm repenting. I'm, I'm metanoia is happening to me right now. Are you getting that picture, guys? I want to start living my life towards the best things, not the easy things. That means when I'm tempted to do just this little easy thing, you know what I want to do? I'm going to say, you know what? That thing doesn't last. I want to choose the best thing. Oh God, let repentance happen in me and let it change my mind. I want to do the best thing, not the easy thing. One more time. You cannot say you want to follow Christ and not have a value shift. I wonder for you, and I wonder for every one of those graduates today, I wonder if I ask you the question, what needs to shift in your values? Who's been leading and setting your authorities? Who's been setting your values? What you've been investing your life towards, short-term stuff or long-term stuff? Your friendships, the way you're spending your money? What needs to shift in your life today? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. But as I do that, would you just name some shift that's got to happen in you? Would you name some shift that you need to change your mind about? God, I've been using people. I ain't been loving people the right way. 
Oh God, shift that in me today. I've been loving things. You don't want me to love things. Shift that in me today, God. Metanoia, change my mind. God, I've been spending my money on selfish stuff. I've not really been generous like you called me to be. Shift it in me today, God. Shift that value set in me today. Let repentance happen in my soul today. God, I'm the one who's been setting my my values. I've been my own authority. I've been living off my gut. Shift it to me today and let me live by your word. What needs to change in your value sets today? Would you just bow your heads for a minute? Just kind of a moment of silence. Would you talk to God about the shift, the metanoia, the mind change that needs to happen in you today to be able to follow Christ? Now let me just pray over you, okay? Just keep your head bowed. Just give your neighbor space. and You have your own space. And let me just pray over you for a minute. God, there's not a person in this room who doesn't want to be a success in your eyes. But God, one of the things we've got to come to grips with is success means living by the values that you will reward one day. God, the world's going to teach us over and over again to live live our values by what it thinks is important. But that's not what you're going to reward one day. And Lord, every one of us wants to be a success, so we've got to live our lives based on what your values say. We want our lives to count, God. So I pray, Lord, today along with many of my brothers and sisters, I pray that you'd help us to build our lives on the things that are going to last for eternity, the values that will last forever. I ask you to forgive me, forgive us, for all the times we thought something was true simply because we felt it or we thought it. Lord, I I ask you to help us remember our brain doesn't always tell us the truth. It can be so deceitful. And I pray, God, you'd help us build our lives around the truth of your word. I want your truth. I want the rock of ages to be the one who sets truth for me and sets my values. I don't want to set my values based on what the culture says, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each and every one of us, choose the long-term reward, not the short-term thing right in front of us. Oh, God, we know every one of us got urges and temptations in our life. You know every one of us have passions and desires. God, we, we sometimes want money, Sometimes we want want things, but at the end of the day, God, we want hearts that honor you and mouths that honor you. Would you help us? Would you give us your strength? Would you give us the strength to choose what's best over what's easy? Even if that means changing friends or changing the way we spend our money, Lord, changing what we watch or what we read, give us the power today, Jesus, to change that, to shift that value in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to know what matters most. Help us to live lives like you, Jesus. It won't be easy. We pray you'd help us, the image of Jesus, be formed inside every one of us. Inside every one of us. May the image of Jesus be formed. Make us truly wise. And help us to have values that last for eternity. I pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Church, can you say amen?
Amen. Hey, we had planned on singing another worship song, but the preacher preached too long. Or Coop honored those graduates too long. I don't know which one. But, um, but as you go, I'm going to invite this group to sing a song. And maybe while you're greeting one another and loving on one another, as you get in your car, as you drive off this campus today, maybe this song would be going through your heart and through your mind. You'd be reminded that God loves us. He loves us. He loves us so very much. Go in the name of Jesus, Harvest Point. Make a difference this week wherever you go. Shine for Him and let Christ be your banner. Try to live for Him wherever you go. God bless you, Harvest Point. Have a great week.